0: welcome to movie maniacs mike rags and chuck curry discussing the greatest movies of all time and all the new films in theaters and streaming that you need to know about
1: like us rate us share us now here are your hosts mike rags and chuck curry it is time for another edition of movie maniacs mike rags and chuck curry talking about the world of movies at the last weekend of february this is the town calendar gets ready to turn over and we get ready for the latest installment of a batman film we'll talk about that we've got some movie news and more and this weekend not many major releases uh, coming out in theaters but one of note it's the re-release 50th anniversary of the godfather so chuck and i are going to go back 50 years and take a look at the year 1972 which was quite a year of movie making if you once we go through the list of films here chuck um i was very young and so were you a lot of these movies we didn't see in theaters but boy oh boy I have a feeling sometime during the show, you're going to say they don't make movies like this anymore. And Can I say it now? Yeah, you might as well, because 1972 is quite a year. Well, we
0: know they don't make movies like that anymore.
1: Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Chuck, let's get things started uh, If to, to, to check in with you to see if you've seen anything new. I watched a new movie on Peacock, which was an interesting movie called The 355 which starred uh, Jessica Chastain and Sebastian Stan and a bunch of other female actresses in an action movie, a spy movie. It's actually pretty darn good. It came out at the beginning of the year. Um, I watched it at the comfort of my own home in Peacock. I would highly recommend it that two hours of Jessica Chastain for me is always going to work. Do you remember when this film came out, it came out early? And I think it was in January. Um, not too much fanfare because movies in January usually don't. But Selma Hayek's in it. No, uh, Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz, right. Okay. Uh, Diana Kruger uh, and Jessica Chastain. Uh, it's pretty yeah, good. I mean, it uh, not too bad.
0: Cra- it, 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 uh, box office wise, it pretty much crashed and, uh, and burned. Reviews were not that kind.
1: No, it, I mean, never it's, got out of the gate. But if you think about it, it's February 26th and I'm watching it on the Peacock stream already. So that goes towards, you know, what you were talking about. What is it? The 45 day rule now? Is that what they're talking about? Uh, that's, the
0: ma- that's the max. That's I think the max. It, There's there's certain ones that'll do it quicker.
1: Well, this one did it in, I believe. I mean, if by my count, it's about forty five days.
0: I I find the one that's most disturbing is the reality of the Batman opening this Thursday night, which really, I mean, they say Friday March fourth, but it's really Thursday March third, Thursday night, right? It's having it's track, it is very strong anticipation. You know, it's going to have a big opening weekend. It could open blow past one fifty opening weekend, and but yet it has a set. HBO Max release, which is 45 days after March 4th, set in stone. Yeah. Yeah. That's disturbing to me. Like, I, I like if this movie's doing well at the box office, why would you do that? And Universal's you, you leaving open the option they can do a 45 day window, but they're not setting it in stone. If the movie's playing in theaters well, there's no reason to do that because the theatrical dollar is more potent than the streaming dollar. Still, yes. So, the, the, you know, you can't is a saying you can't eat your cake. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. And they're trying to have two pieces of cake and eat it at the same time.
1: Well, I thought I saw, too, that it's actually coming out in some IMAX theaters on Tuesday as well.
0: I heard that, uh, too.
1: Um, you're this right.
0: interesting. There's an embargo on the reviews, right? If you go online, Batman, the Batman review, you can't see any. But, you know, all the social media uh, movie sites, because what Warner Brothers did is they have access. They know their reaction already. So in their, in their print ads, they have like uh, sensational. You'll, you'll find patents in the best Batman yet. You know, they the, the, yeah, the, the blips, the blip. So they're, re- they're releasing that. And all the, all, the, all the geeks are like, oh my God, like we've been through this so many times, right? <laughs> you know, the, the initial really good, but I hope this movie is terrific. I'm looking forward to it. I don't buy the way social media has been manufactured, the way, pre-advanced buzz has been altered. I don't I don't buy into this until I see one for myself, but two when I see the embargo lifted. And I I need to see dozens and dozens of reviews, not stuff that Warner Brothers is releasing because it benefits them.
1: Well, what's interesting, too, is does that marketing actually work? Is there somebody at home that sees that and says, oh, my God, the reviews are great. Now I have to see it. I don't think I I I don't think it does. Okay,
0: let's debate this. There's a thing in marketing called maximum effect. Right. Right. No, I get why the the embargo for the Batman is going to be lifted February 28th. Right. So the movie comes out, like I said, really the third. But you said some IMAX screens on the second, I think. What they'll do is if it's if it's as positive as they want it to be, and I hope it to be, and I think it will be, people see all these reviews a few days before, and it does juice them up, especially knowing that it's a little bit harder to get people into theaters post-COVID. Yeah, I but think I already know what these,
1: these reviews are already going to say. You have to see it on the big screen. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know it. I don't know, maybe because we're savvier than the average viewer. But to me, I, I think the people that want to see the Batman in theaters are already ready to go. There's the, there's mm-hmm. no commercial that will make them go see it or not. I don't think so, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know.
0: But if you start hearing stuff like if, let's just say hypothetically, epic, amazing, tremendously acted, what a villain. It, it does help. I think. It yeah, does but help. I don't want to
1: hear that now. If I hear that next Friday, Maybe yeah. I'd put a little more stock into it. Right now, uh, I know it's just hype. Well, I, I hope
0: it's good. We both hope, as movie fans, we hope it's good. Yeah,
1: absolutely. We don't
0: want it to, you know, we don't want it to be uh, the second coming of Batman and Robin, right? We don't no, want
1: that. I don't think it'll be that. What I don't want it to be is I don't want it to be too much like the, the Zach Snyder films either. I mean, I I want something a little uh, a little more. I don't know. I'm not. I don't I do, think I know, I'm going to. do. Get...
0: A Nolan had the perfect chemistry.
1: He Nolan. did. He did. He had the first. He had it. Really, he did. It was dark and light at the same time, and I don't know if we're going to get that again. I'm more interested to see it as how this kid does in the role more than anything else because I don't really think they're really going to introduce too many new things that we haven't seen in a Batman movie before. Um, the
0: feel of it feels different though. It has a like it just feels like a really film nourished doc. Who knows how that's going to wash among the general public though? We yeah, don't know. I, it's going I, to be I don't know.
1: I don't know. Okay, um, if you
0: had to predict, Rotten Tomatoes scores. Percentage wise, what do you think this is going to do?
1: I mean, I I'm going to I'm going
0: to I'm to say 80s. Yeah, I would think in the it's always going to gonna be a, I think there's going to be a, some naysayers. They to say, oh, it's too dark. Oh, it's too gritty. You get that.
1: Yeah. And you'll get people complaining about, well, the villain wasn't good or he's not a good Batman. You're going to get that. I'd say yeah. 80, 85, but I think they take that in a second.
0: Of course, they would.
1: Either way, it'll help the business. It's March. But after this movie comes out. It'll take some time for anything else to get us juiced up to go to the theaters. And if this thing's going to be back on the small on the small screen in forty five days, you're right. They're not really not doing movie theaters any favors. No, I guess not. there's here's, there's here's no the way thing. to wait and see though, right? They can't. There's no, no way they could say, "Well, we'll see how it does, and then maybe we'll decide." No,
0: because they set it in stone already. So no. So the the people who sit at home with HBO Max going, "Give me my the Batman," they expect it that day. So they're going to get it that day in April. Right, here's right. the thing. There was a, a, a po- I think this is a positive cinema gave their quarterly report and had their first quarterly profit since covid. That's awesome. And that obviously was helped by the massive surprise success. I, I still say surprise. I didn't expect Spider-Man No Way Home to do almost eight hundred million dollars already. It's still going pretty strong. I mean, last weekend it did point seven million in four days of President's state. I mean, that is that's really good. Well, and yeah, even I mean- weekdays, it's doing like seven hundred thousand a day.
1: I wonder, yeah, the
0: gangbuster business.
1: I think uh, some studios. I got to tell
0: you, Mike, it's doing better than Moonfall.
1: Yeah, I'm a little surprised, but I'm I'm a little surprised that (laughs) some studios aren't taking advantage of this and saying, you know what, there's nothing out. We probably should have released something a little bit bigger here. But here's
0: the thing: Sony Pictures, who released Spider-Man: No Way Home, right? They are the uh, and and also uh, oh, Uncharted. They released that also, which they're did the, very well. They're they are the only major studio without their own streaming service. They are fully committed to the theatrical brand, which is good for theaters. And it and it's and actually, if you look at their numbers, Sony, it is paid off for of them handsomely. You know, this, no, no doubt this about it. Yeah, the experiment, and I still think that it is still in the experimental stage. I think I think the Bean Counters have more of a handle on. The profitability and if and is this the best long-term strategy to try to drive as many people as possible to, to streaming services over theatrical. But um I still think
1: well plus you two, know, you Chuck. Can't,
0: a- you can't equate a billion or billion and a half, two billion dollars worldwide if you hit that. Streaming's not gonna is not gonna make up for that.
1: Well, I think we'd both say we're a little bit surprised. Not only that Uncharted open at 44 million, but it's going to be number one again, only dropping 45%. So that's that's pretty good. I mean, 60, 70 million in two weeks for a movie we thought might had some negative buzz and nobody really cares much about it. That's got to say a lot towards Tom Holland and towards the fact that you are getting original content that has some action in it and some money behind it.
0: Here's the thing. It almost is playing out the way the original well, the original Venom did because the original Venom was sort of critic proof right it didn't get great reviews but i went to see it and i was in a the theater i was like you know what i was entertained so it's not it's not the dog night but i thought he was really good i thought it was character driven enough where it held my interest and made a lot of money and the sequel made a lot of money and uh in uncharted feels like the same sort of um model you know sort of critic proof you know some critics like it but it's it's not it's entertaining enough that the public is embracing it. And, there's, an, a
1: good yeah, and it. there's enough familiar star power to get people to want to go out and see it. This is mm-hmm. good news for Tom Holland, though. Um, it is very, you good. Know, very good news. I'm for sure him. his agent's very happy. I'm sure as, as well. Um, Chuck, let's let's dive into some movie news here. Steven Spielberg, pretty big news. Um, looks like he's going to do a bullet movie, um, a, the original Frank bullet movie. Uh, of course, the great classic 1968 Steve McQueen movie uh, with one of the great chase scenes of all times. God only knows if Spielberg's going to try to attempt something like that in his new version of it. But he's going back to the original source material of Frank Bullitt about a San Francisco cop. I don't remember Steven Spielberg doing too many cop movies. This actually no, excites I'm me a glad little. He's,
0: I'm glad he's doing. He's delving into different uh, things, and why not? He's done it. He's done it all. Who would you? Who would you? Who would you, uh, who would you That's consider? Great. I'm sure to look at Chris Pine, right? If they want to do a Stephen Steve McQueen high, I think they, they'd look at Chris. They look at Chris Pine first. maybe. I would right? see Chris Pine. Adam, I could T- also hit him tanning. Maybe, maybe, maybe,
1: maybe. Yeah. Chris it's, Pine, it, probably. I could see them maybe going a little Ryan Killable. Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds, maybe seriously, if they wanted yeah. to do something like that. I could also, you know, I could also see him say, hey, how about Tom Holland? You know, let's or something. It depends on how young he wants to take the character. But if he's going to go to an origin story, you think the cop's going to have to be pretty young in his 30s. So Um, uh, I don't. The the star is the director, as far as I'm concerned. At that point in time, just don't mess up. You know, up it's sort of
0: weird when you hear that Robert Pattinson's 35 already. Like it's yeah. like like you say because you think of him much younger. You really but,
1: do. Yeah, and the other guy, Taylor, he's probably the same age too. And Kristen Stewart, they're all in their 30s, right? Yeah. So time
0: time time, time flies when you're having fun, Mike. But you know what's interesting is like give Pattinson another five years, he'll be 40. People say, "Oh, who's the next Batman?"
1: Right. 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 No. Right. Right. I'm
0: sure he's going to do two more because they're talking sequels already
1: when the rock when the rock's fifty, you know, yeah. it's just that the lifespan of an action star isn't as long as it used to be. Um, how about the uh, you know we we lost a you know pretty substantial actress over the past year. She was nominated for Hot Lips Ulahan and Mash. Uh, Sally Kellerman died at yeah. the age of eighty four. You and I, you know, obviously harking back to back to school right away.
0: I love that movie. And you know, she, I, I told you in a text how much I love that movie. And I thought her chemistry, Rodney Dangerfield was awesome. And uh, it's a perfect movie. That is a perfect vehicle for a comic actor. Dangerfield. That was Dangerfield's classic movie back in yeah. school, 86.
1: And she held her own in it. She has a really couple of good, very funny cool. exchanges with him. Why don't you call me sometime when you have no class? And it's just it. it's just great. And, you know, obviously, Loretta Swit made Hot Lips Houlihan yeah. very popular on TV, but the original Hot Lips Houlihan uh, with Robert Altman's MASH. Uh, we lost a great a great character actress. Um, I did see Haunted Mansion got a March 2023 release date from Disney, Chuck, which you'll have Tiffany Haddish starring on it, um, starring in it along with Danny DeVito and Owen Wilson. Um, you know, the last Haunted Mansion didn't do anything with Eddie Murphy back in the day. Um, this is another one of Disney trying to dip into it. What's surprising to me is I don't see the plus attached to it at all yet right now, I I guess they're hoping for a Disney release in theaters.
0: We'll see. You know, it's interesting. It's you have to wonder who sits in the, in the, uh, in the offices at Disney saying, okay, let's take every single property that we've (laughs) ever done and do it. I'm sure they're going to revive freaky Friday again. Also. No guarantee. They will.
1: You would think so, but kind of risky, kind of risky casting with Tiffany Haddish. I mean, Mm -hmm. She, a few months ago, she. That's she, why
0: it leads me to believe this is a Disney Plus project.
1: You would, you would think so. It's not like she's that bankable up on the big screen. One of the big uh, stories that I saw this week, I thought you'd have a big uh, interest in. Tom Brady announces his first movie, and it's a buddy older lady movie with Sally Field, Rita Moreno, Jane Fonda, and Lily Tomlin. All going to see his Super Bowl in Atlanta, the Atlanta Super Bowl. Chuck, what do you think Eddie of this storyline? 80 Plays for herself. Brady. Yeah. Thoughts?
0: Um, it's a little weird, but uh
1: I wonder how much screen time he's actually going to have. Now, he's producing the film as well.
0: Yeah, well, that's cool. He's got he's got mucho money.
1: And, and, and we, he's
0: been doing he's been do, he's he's had he's run a production company do documentaries, you know, that he produced yeah. his own document, which is really good, by the way. My daughter watched that. I was watching some of that. It's really I, good. Very gr- completely honest, too.
1: Right. And he, he popped up in Ted, right? He was in, was it yeah, Ted he's too? funny and he, fun in that?
0: Well, you know what they did with him in Ted too, is fun. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I just, Sally
0: field, Jane Fonda, uh,
1: Rita Marino Rita Moreno. and Lily, Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Lily Tomlin. And the, you good know, cast. it's a good cast. Uh, they've got tremendous. Yeah. It should be fun. Um, I'm not sure how much acting chops he's got, but
0: I mean, I think Peyton Manning's probably a better actor.
1: Probably, probably. Yeah. Um the Meg two, the trench you interested in it. No, uh, no Jason Statham, um, but they're going to no, make another Jason, Meg.
0: It is Jason Statham.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Jason Statham and uh, Sienna Gilroy. Guillory is in it. Um, nobody Clint else. Curtis from the Clark,
0: Yeah. Cliff Curtis is in it. Um, the first one was the first one had a lot of entertainment da- value. It is bombastic. It's it's not it's not grounded like Jaws. I So it's it's like it, I'm not going to have the excitement I would if this was, you know, Jaws two from Jaws. Right. Uh, it, it's going to be probably ridiculous, but I do like him a lot.
1: I thought there was moments in it towards the end that I really liked. And I thought, yeah, he was good in it. So was the
0: it was well shot. It, it was well, well
1: shot, well directed. Um, yeah. It just there wasn't enough peril in it for me. I thought it really probably. took off. Towards the end when, you know, the shark got land, got to land and started like really, um, I don't really care if it killed Rain Wilson or not. It, it, it mattered more when the stakes were a little higher towards the end of the film. Um, and a little of the stuff that Jason Statham does is a little over the top, but it was entertaining and it was it a big was hit too. Yes, yeah. um, I did see last thing I had was Jamie Lee Curtis wraps up filming on Halloween ends.
0: And she says this is the last one.
1: Do you believe it?
0: It will be for a while.
1: I do, I yeah, be, maybe. Wait, will it be I, I for her?
0: I say seventy-five percent. Yes, it will be.
1: Do they kill Laurie Strode?
0: I hope not. I don't think that's what fans want to see.
1: Well, they saw it once before, right? And it was I know oh. but
0: that was that was a, that was a contractual. That was by people running the show that were idiots.
1: That was Halloween
0: the, resurrection. She did the tack on beginning. Yeah, where Michael Myers kills her in the hospital out the window. It's so stupid and. Her, her wig was horrible. Um, people hate that. They hate that. If you're a fan of the Halloween franchise, you despise that moment. Yeah, they That is the worst moment in the
1: series, yes.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, it, it is. I look at the franchise a little differently because I, I thought the first installment, I, even though I like the second installment, I like the second installment. It is schlock, right? It's not. It's, it's, it's far from high art. No, so it's, but but I'm gonna I'm gonna make the assumption in those three films she came back for this new trilogy. I wouldn't be surprised if she banked forty five million.
1: I God, that ending with Anthony Michael Hall! I I just I don't even like even thinking about that second movie. It's just total crap. I'm sorry, Chuck. Um, October fourteenth is the release. I, I thought date. it had
0: entertainment value if, if you liked it, but again, it's nothing. It, it's it's you know you it's got, not like Quentin Tarantino did it.
1: You got Mike Myers killing firemen. That's not what we need. Uh, now, so, well, I agree. I agree. With uh, that. But it does have a good release date. It's October 14th. So it's going to be a true good uh, release date good release day for for a Halloween. Uh, yes. All right. What else? What do you got?
0: I, well, uh, there was an announcement about the Oscars where they tried to do this two years ago when there was backlash. They changed their mind. Now there's backlash already, but I don't think they're going to change your mind. Eight of the categories will be uh, presented in the audience before the live telecast goes on the air at ABC. Now, the people in the industry that are up for these Oscars are, are fuming, and I don't blame them having said them that. I don't blame them, but the reality is the Tonys and the Emmys have been doing this sort of thing for years. What they would do is they'll edit the winners and they'll sort of mix it into the live telecast, give them recognition. They won't get to accept in a live format, but the reason is that the viewership is, is, is tanking big time and you don't want to make the industry should not, or does probably does not want to make the Oscars completely irrelevant. Uh, and, and it's heading in that direction. And, and the reality is people, especially this, this is, and we'll talk about this when we talk about 72, the world we live in is completely different than it used to be. It just is streaming social media post COVID you put it all in a, into a mix Too much information, and obviously the attention span of people is not what it was decades ago. The general public doesn't want to sit and watch a a three-and-a-half-hour telecast anymore with awards that they simply don't care about. And that's eroding the viewership more and more and more. And uh, so they're finally going to make a change. It'll probably be a quicker, faster-moving telecast. And um, as a viewer, I think it's good, but I understand their frustration. Because if I if I got an Oscar, one is going to be the editing category, by the way.
1: Yeah. Well, ironically, they're editing out the editing category. Right. Yep. Um, I actually think it's done, Chuck. I really do. I don't think it's a, I, I don't even know. I think there'll be a time. It's not even telecast. It's going to be streamed somewhere. Well, let me
0: ask you a question. You know, for years when the when the telecast started, we would we would text each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And say, OK, what do you think of that? How do you like the opening? Yeah. May not care this year, right?
1: I probably will be sleeping. I barely remembered the nominations came out that morning. Uh, I just I think it's it's just not the climate.
0: Well, t- tell tell me why.
1: Well, first of all, and we've talked about it the last five years. I didn't like the mm-hmm. direction uh, the Oscars were making anyway, because it became more of a political statement than an actual celebration of of cinema and movies and, and movie stars. They care more about doing the right thing, much, you know, and it really rubbed me the wrong way. So it's not a very entertaining telecast when all these people want to do is make a political statement and then live in a in hypocrisy, basically, um, for what they're saying. And that's a turn off for me. And I'm a pretty okay. liberal guy, and I'm well, turned let, off by these liberals. Let me
0: explain my issue with the whole thing. I think if you go back in the heyday of of, of how exciting the Oscars used to be. And you look at what was produced and you look at what's produced now. Okay, look at the Oscar-nominated movies that are produced now and have won in the last, say, five to 10 years. They're smaller films. They don't have marketing campaigns. They don't have big production budgets. Mass audiences do not watch these movies for the most part. Right. Okay? Years ago, character-driven movies were well produced they were marketed they had big talent involved one flew over the cuckoo's nest reds rocky right
1: yeah chuck these, these movies-, movies are still being made they're just not being nominated anymore because the hollywood would rather nominate themselves for patting themselves on the back for what's right in the political spectrum wait, instead of what's what, right the, in a the cinema way, spectrum the way
0: you try to self correct if self correction can be done is you start producing Good scripts, character-driven movies with good ideas that have a budget and a marketing campaign. They got to get back to that. You can't just have movies that are produced for 3 or $4 million or $5 million with really no marketing campaign and think that the industry is going to maintain its status.
1: They don't need to do that anymore because they but, don't need to market these movies then, anymore because they're going to go on streaming and people then, will find them then, there. But
0: then you have no, then you, then, then the Oscars almost it, become irrelevant.
1: That's what's going to happen. And, 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 I so, hate so, to tell so, you that, but so that's you, what's going to you, happen. You, you,
0: you see what you, 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 you see, what what is that you, saying?
1: You reap what you, reap, you sow. Yes. Okay, but, and
0: that's what's going on.
1: That's, but I don't know if they necessarily care anymore, Chuck, because if that if the rock not. can make his money on Netflix, what does he no, care?
0: But don't you, don't you miss? Of course I do, but the people, but you know, think think of this also, okay? Like, uh, like even Woody Allen, like Woody Allen in his heyday, those movies were so popular. Manhattan.
1: Right. I, I know, I get it. Chuck. I mean,
0: his movies now—they they don't make
1: three cents. No, Nobody I cares. get it. It's but it's not the movies that are being—it's no, the movies that are being nominated and winning that turn me off. Nobody cares about these things. it's all about is, social is, issues. They're not about great in, movies. Yeah,
0: but they've gone—they've gone and they've fractured. There's no middle. There's no. I you know. know I, the rich, I, the I know. We're in the middle class, right? I it's understand. The big budget movie, the low budget movie, and the mid—the mid-range. There's no mid-range anymore.
1: Hollywood jumped the shark the minute they started taking social issues more important than cinema and art and all that and that's all they want to do so this is this becomes a three-hour program to make themselves feel better instead of a three-hour program celebrating movies and it's been that way long before long before covid it's been that way for quite some time and it's basically you know and it's a huge turnoff for, for me. I know that. And a lot of people that just love going to see movies, you know, if they wanted to turn the page and go in another direction. And we talked about this the last couple of weeks, Spider-Man should have been nominated for an Oscar and put it up there and just acknowledge the fact that it means something to the world of cinema. It doesn't have to be fine art to be best picture. And 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 the minute they've gotten away from all that, they just want to make themselves feel better about themselves. And frankly, I'll, I'll give, I'll I'm not example. interested in watching a three hour. I'll, I'll give you three example. hours of that.
0: Th- this week in movie history, 2005, Clint Eastwood's Million Dollar Baby won the Oscar for Best Picture. It's a perfect example of what I'm talking about.
1: Right. right? Absolutely. Stars,
0: stars, concept, marketing, a production value in a marketing campaign. Right. That's what people ultimately want. That's what, what the industry needs.
1: But the difference between climate now and then, if that right. movie came out today, that movie would have been about and, and would have focused on and would have been highlighting right to life people and what it's all about and and what messages are made that that movie would be a poster child for uh, some sort of political activist that would have made it a point that night about right to life instead of it's just a great movie uh done really well with a downer of an ending and, and an interesting uh decision and dilemma to, to have instead it would I know you know that to be true, especially with a, game, a guy like Clint Eastwood attached to it now uh, so many years after the fact and that people are not interested in watching uh, on on Oscar night. It's just not the same anymore. Um, and that is not, you know, entirely the Oscars fault. It's the climate we live in now, but they didn't help. And I, I I'm sorry, I don't I don't need to watch three hours and feel guilty that I'm not a good enough person. And that's what they I, do. I, I got us before we move. Am on, Am I, I wrong? Am I wrong no. about that, though? That's what they no, do. They not. make you feel like you're sitting at home watching us. Look how great we are. And you have done nothing to add to anything to society sitting at home.
0: And I eating. I'm sitting home eating my macaroni and cheese.
1: Exactly. Right? And doing nothing doing. Okay. So
0: one, one interesting point of view, uh, I was reading an article uh, they were interviewing in a written article the The uh, I think they're the writer of Die Hard, the original Die Hard from 88. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a screenplay. And.
1: Stephen D'Souza. I
0: don't, I don't, I don't want to misquote myself. It was either him or somebody involved with the, with the decision-making of the project that John McLean said in the interview that John McLean was, because a lot of actors were up for that role that they offered it to. They first did offer that role to Clint Eastwood. He Hmm. was, he, they wanted Clint Eastwood to play John McLean and he was in his fifties. And even though he, the, 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 the interview, the person who was interviewed said, Eastwood would have delivered those lines amazingly, you know, uh, welcome to the party, pal. uh, His sarcasm would have been awesome, but Eastwood, the problem, Eastwood turned the role down because he said he just couldn't understand the humor in the script, which I find surprising, but also Eastwood in his fifties in a, in a tank top and no shoe. you know, I don't know. But (laughs) having said that of all the actors that passed, Thank God they went to Bruce Willis because he was born to play that role. He He just was.
1: There's no doubt about it. Any other movie news you got? No, I'm good. Let's turn our attention to uh, Fast Five, Chuck. And we'll start with an actor who won Best Actor for uh, No Country for Old Men back in the day. That might be the last good um, Oscar telecast back in 2007. Javier Bardem. Um, To me, I think Skyfall more than I think No Country for Old Men, only because I'm a huge Bond fan.
0: He's great in both. He is. He he. Listen, these. He is a guy that, I mean, when you when you cast him and you get him to sign the contract to be in your movie, your movie's better.
1: It just is. It yeah, just I mean, is. The movie's just better. He's he's even got so much charisma in the being the Ricardo's movie as well. I um, don't know
0: if they'll ever make a better bomb movie than Skyfall. Though.
1: I don't think they will. Like
0: all the pieces were there.
1: Yep. Yep. It was a, It almost you almost look back now and say they probably should have just ended it right there, right? Um. Chuck, how about Ron Howard?
0: There's a a saying. It's easy to get to the top. Staying there is the hard part, right? So once you get to the top creatively on something, not easy to repeat it. It Just isn't. Ron Howard?
1: Uh, Ron Howard, 68 this weekend. Still relatively young. And we, uh, I
0: mean, listen, I always think, okay, there's Richie Cunningham, right? Yeah. I mean, he was also on Andy Griffith. I love Night Shift. I, I love and shifts. I believe
1: we have a show, right? We have a, I think we did a whole run out how- around Howard show. Um, yeah. I'm a huge fan of
0: 13.
1: Uh, yeah. Beautiful mind. I love a lot too. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of backdraft, even though it has its flaws. Yeah. He, he, great. he really knew how to make a, a real audience pleasing movie, right? It was no, you know, never any big, you know, Problems with the film, the paper. Remember how good that movie was? Yeah, really Just good.
0: Like we said last month, there's really good buzz on his next movie, which comes out in November, about the uh, that the tragedy where the uh, the rescue workers ha- have to save a uh, soccer kids. Thirteen in, in, lives in a, in a, is a, called. In yeah, in Chile. Yeah, thirteen yeah. lives. Great buzz on that film.
1: Yep, yep. He's a real and he did an admirable job with Solo, coming into the last second too and directing that movie. The movie's not as bad as some people want it to be. How about Zack Snyder, Chuck? I am not a huge fan. Um, you know, to me, his his movies just lack a certain sense of. I, I, I guess Dawn of the Dead is the closest thing that I would ever really say. You know, one hundred percent, I totally, uh, I'm behind that film. I know you like some of his other stuff. If you had to pick one well, Zack I, Snyder film, we'd be Dawn would of the
0: Dead because I yeah. love it. Uh, I, I do think he's a very interesting talent. I, I think he's a talent, obviously that that polarizes. Uh, on huge levels. Uh, I mean, people, And it's interesting because I still look at Batman versus Superman and, and it's like a, it's like a work of art. Some people look at it. A bit, oh, what a crappy piece of, what a crappy piece of art. And others say, boy, this is, this is ahead of its time. I got to tell you, I really dig the film. And I've said that I dig <laughs> it. I, I think it has a visionary feel to it. I, I think Affleck's Batman is awesome in that movie. Listen uh, to me. It's based on, you know, a graphic novel. So I have to accept that Superman would fight Batman. But, you know, and I and I text you the other day because I was watching Superman the movie on my my big TV at my ice cream parlor. And I look at Christopher Reeves' smile, just smile with Superman. And like, that movie's a, a beautiful, a beautiful product of its time. And I don't think you can make... Uh, Superman. Like we'll talk about movies in this in '72, but there's certain movies that they are products of their time, and, yeah. and they do they they do they do uh they their heart beats off the pulse of the culture at the time. And I think Superman the movie certainly was one of those. But having said that, I I do think there's so much cool stuff in Batman versus Superman. I really I really do. And I
1: I think he does reflect the times now like you know to his credit Zach you know Snyder does have a specific style and a specific way to make movies that you know you're watching a Zack Snyder movie. So there is some credit to that. And I think if he just would have reeled it in at the end of Man of Steel, I, I really would have enjoyed that movie a lot more Oh, I um, like Man
0: of Steel. Yeah, like I just could have reined it in. Yeah, he's it's just raining that. Ending. It's a thumbs up. No.
1: Yeah. It, no, I definitely liked it. I did. I did. I yeah, would yeah. say beat Batman versus Superman's a thumbs up and just League's a thumbs up. They're just heavily flawed. And he just, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you wish he had somebody by his side saying, or oh, that's good, but maybe we should do this. And I actually liked army of dead army of the dead on Netflix from last year. I thought that was decent as well. He, it's not like I don't like him. It's just like, I'm not crazy about his style. Um, I, I like it, me-
0: I like, uh, I like Watchmen a lot too. I do.
1: Yeah, I know you do. And really, but Dawn of the Dead, I think is when he's got it all right. And he's not abusing well, his it, style. Here's what he
0: does well. Here's what he does well. He casts really well. He's, yeah. he ca- he, he picked Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Okay. Yeah. He, he, brilliant. I mean, 99% of all casting directors would not have cast her as Wonder Woman. She's amazing in that role. She, re- what, what she represents in terms of, 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 Strong women, I love okay, yeah.
1: And then he, it all went Sarah wrong Polly's in the second the, one. The
0: casting and dawn of the dead, Sarah Polly, right? Yep. Canadian Jake Weber, yep, Ving Rames. I mean, the casting's just it's yeah, just it's out spot of the on. box no. awesome.
1: Yeah, it's spot on. He didn't overcast it, he put he casted it perfectly. There's no doubt about it. Um, Chuck, another one here, John Tuturo is uh, 65 years old. I'm watching his new show, Severance, on Apple Plus, right now, directed by Ben Stiller. It's actually a decent show. I, um, you, I think
0: uh, he's an interesting because he just straight. He goes like he when does he everything. Did, when he did Mister Deeds, like it's a silly butler. Man, I was like pissing myself watching that movie. Yeah,
1: he's really so funny in that. But yeah. I mean, to me, I think of two roles: Pino in, uh, uh Do the Right Thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, And uh, I, and I yeah. loved him. Absolutely loved him in Quiz Show. He was nominated yeah. for that too. I thought he was perfect in that. You know, role. he's
0: playing Calm, the role of Carmine Falcone in the Batman.
1: Oh, look at that. Yes, yeah. he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's still getting some decent roles. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, and last but not least, we, we lost him a few years back, 10 years ago, actually. Um, Charles Durning, Chuck, would have been 99 this weekend.
0: Oh, Dog Day Afternoon.
1: Easy? Not even yeah. close? Because I think Tootsie, no. too.
0: Yeah, he's really good in. it. But I just think when I, when I look at when I think of movies like Dog Day Afternoon and, and think about all the dialogue in, in the air, or whatever they, all the dialogue that they had to memorize uncut continuous yeah it's just a tremendous achievement that movie I uh, think. the
1: the the scene where he's outside just talking him out of the the, the bank and and he's yelling attica and and, and he's trying to reason with them it, it's so good but the guy turned out to be a great one of the great character actors of all time and he'd pop up very recognizable face um I just love the scene where he's trying to seduce tootsie I think that's a near perfect comedy role for him as well. Chuck, we go back 50 years. And one of the reasons we're going back 50 years is because they're re-releasing The Godfather in theaters uh, up on the big screen this weekend. Hopefully some people go out and go see it. It is a perfect film. The interesting thing about The Godfather, which won a best picture back in 1972, it was a March 14th release. And back in the day, Chuck, that that you know, March releases weren't remembered. I'm uh, sort of surprised because later on. You, yeah.
0: You would have thought that would be released at Christmas time, right? Sometime
1: around October. Yeah. The, the previous November, Christmas. December. or th- Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was released in March of that year. I mean, we could start there. There was a couple other um, uh, th- movies I want to get to that was released before that, but we might as well start with the reason why we're going back 50 years. I mean, The Godfather. What What can you say about it that hasn't been said already?
0: I would say this. Um, it's easy to say they'll never make movies like that again, but they won't. And it is like I, I think a lot of it really does have to come down to the attention span and yeah. the, the sophistication of moviegoers back in '72. Yeah. Right? I mean, you're not going to get a sold-out house in today's generation watching The Godfather with the attention span and
1: the 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 patience behind a film like here, that. Here's right? the thing:
0: back then. In the culture, adults were adults and kids were kids, yeah. Right, is that a fair say? Sure. Right? Yeah, now you got rebellious kids, now you got kids who are playing on games and they have no attention spans, and they're just their mind is different. They're not, mm. they, they don't, and 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 also, you know, friends, the studios let directors like Coppola, the wedding scene, you know, let things yeah. play out, and it's still hypnotic, and it's still like there's not a frame of that movie that you don't get sucked into.
1: Absolutely, it's a perfect movie. I think it's both the patience of the studio, the patience of a director, and the patience of an audience. That just—that's culture, right? Yeah, it's just the way that would let a movie like that develop and then play out, and then people keep going back to see it. I mean, people are going back to see a three-hour movie over and over and over again in theaters, and it started a genre. This movie's also started a, a real genre in cinema. Um, it launched so many careers, Pacino, Coppola's uh, cons and such. Uh, it, it just it is a perfect film um, to me. I still think the best way to watch the Godfather movies is the way NBC used to do it. You know, back in the day when they mix it timeline wise and that's but, but you go back and watch the original. Um, it, it is a perfect film um, with a great ending and an awesome and I mean, awesome cast. Uh, Chuck, when J- when Jimmy Kahn buys it at the at the uh, at the booth, at the toll booth. I mean, that is an iconic, iconic scene. And then, you know, it's just a tremendous movie. And, and where do you get? I mean, obviously, one. And best now, picture. And,
0: and let's be honest, that was an Al Pacino. That was a different Al Pacino. Absolutely. He Absolutely. I mean, Al Pacino in this. We talked about this before, but Al Pacino in The Godfather and Dog Day Afternoon. That's that's the great Al Pacino.
1: Yeah. You he know, barely Pacino, raises his voice Al, in The Godfather. Al
0: Pacino post Scarface you know, of a woman. I mean, I it's, mean like, it's like it's like, did somebody say, hey, Al, you read your lines ten times louder than you used to. Like, I don't I still don't yeah. understand.
1: It's like I don't. It's like, uh, Al, you're blind, but we're not deaf Uh that we get <laughs> it. <laughs> Here, um, it's
0: like it's like, hey, Al, like, I mean, you don't have to audition to be the Joker every movie. Like, I know. Well, the, the
1: funny story? thing is, is that um his neck, the devil's advocate. He's actually more over the top. Even in Dick
0: Tracy. Yeah, like, he's way oh over the top. Uh, He's like insane, but he, he, he made a creative choice. I don't know why I'm not saying Al Pacino is not a legend. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying that, but like he made a creative choice in terms of acting style. Yeah. That is, it's, it's, it's a little strange, right? He turned the
1: energy level to 11. He did. He just. 11. went. I know Yeah, he did. and uh, even I watched. I mean, you
0: ima- imagine he played Michael Corleone like that? Oh my like, well, well wouldn't let him anyway. No,
1: and there's a couple of scenes in three where he does that. You know, one, uh, once oh, yeah. I thought they were out and they pulled me back the, in. That's takes a, little...
0: a And when he takes a diabetic attack.
1: Yeah, that's that. That's a little over the top. I he's just saw Any Given Sunday again a couple of weeks ago. I rewatched. Not a fan of the movie, but he's got a He does an interesting performance for sure. In that film, it's just way over edited by Oliver Stone and way overrated too. It's not a good football film. All right, Chuck, before the Godfather was released, there was some notable classics uh, or, or, you know, uh, uh, that were uh, silent running came out in March of that year. I know a lot of sci-fi fans love that James Dern film. Um, What's up doc came out that year as well. You had cabaret in February of that year, which was a huge movie for Liza Minnelli, the hot rock, which starred um, Robert Redford and George Siegel in a, in a thief movie and a good cow, and a good uh, Western. I remember my mom taking us to go see it when I was really young is the Cowboys with John Wayne and a bunch of kids. I don't know if you remember that uh, I don't. Western movie uh, that all came out before the Godfather did um, in, in uh, March of that year. Um, also coming out a re-release of the 10 commandments in March of that year. And you had play it again, Sam from Woody, uh, Woody Allen, and another interesting movie that came out in uh, June of that year, Chuck, is Deep Throat. And you talk about how different the climate is right now, <laughs> as it is from then. That, but that, Deep that Throat be, that, was that, released that in be, theaters.
0: That, that would be like the cherry on the on, on, on the ice cream sundae of of different climate. No,
1: I would think so. I but, mean, I.
0: But also, if history, listen, if you read history, right,
1: people want
0: people the mass public went to the watches in droves.
1: Chuck, this movie made almost $50 million oh, in the yeah. box office. and I mean, did
0: everybody wear a raincoat? Yes, I no? t- I just don't know. I'm under- going to tell you a quick story. Now, the, okay. the one thing now I, I, kid- I want to
1: hear a story, but I want to ask you, yeah, no. you know, what I'm theaters turned into Sorry, I
0: don't. It'll take too much time, but go ahead. Th- theaters
1: turned into what they did in Times Square. And, you know, basically people. But at some point, were, yeah. were people actually unzippering their pants? I
0: don't really? want to hear
1: it. I mean, I, I mean, is that what was going on for Deep Throat? I don't know. What's your story? Go ahead.
0: OK, I remember in my neighborhood when theaters s- said, by the way, s- it was
1: a summer release, June 12th. OK, it was, <laughs> was
0: certain th- there was certain theaters that said, OK, we can make more money. Showing pornographic movies than regular movies, right? Yeah. So right. I remember like you'd see people, older people in my neighborhood go to the movie. Like, like they they wear a raincoat and sort of like sneak into the movie theater, buy a quick and real, 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 quick, and and run into the theater. But that's an interesting time. But the, the thought of this movie, which is, it's actually a terrible movie. But it's anyway, not good. No, it's not. No, it's a not, terrible movie. Yeah. But. Uh, it, it, Thought that this made fifty million dollars. Holy cow!
1: (laughs) There's a there's a there's a real good documentary on. I guess it. it.
0: Hey Mike, I guess it was a huge curiosity factor back. I think so.
1: Yeah, I think so. Chuck, a little earlier before that came out in May, before there was Airport nineteen seventy five, there was another nifty little airplane movie that Charlton Heston starred in, and that was Skyjack. That came out May twenty fourth of 1972 and i'm a huge fan of this one james brolin stars as a hijacker on this plane yvette momo and of course when you got chuck heston flying a plane where can you go wrong char uh chuck i mean this is the man
0: uh, you know here's what's interesting i know this sounds crazy i don't remember this movie that well
1: oh it's good chuck it is good huh? um, it is very good movie how I did mean-
0: it do at the box office
1: Um, at the box office. Well, this was actually before, obviously, um, the, the airport is 75 before it's
0: before before, which can 74 before earthquake.
1: Yeah. It it made about six and a half million at the box office.
0: What genre would you put that in?
1: I would say, well, I mean, disaster movie. It's a disaster movie. Is it it really?
0: Okay. I mean, mean, um, more of a suspense thriller though, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, so is airport 75. Let's face it. I mean, it's not really much of a disaster movie. I mean, once the plane hits the other plane, not much disastrous happens after that. Um, but it's a very enjoyable. You know, we we did a, 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 a an airplane type show. Uh, there, that is a genre, uh, airplane thrillers, and I think it falls very n- neatly into that. Um, also coming out in nineteen seventy two, Chuck, you, you had uh, the possession of Joe Delaney. You had a Shaft, another Shaft movie. Shaft's big score. That made um, money, right? Yep, it made money. Those
0: movies were popular.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, you had Ben come out in June of that year, Chuck, which was okay, the I have fond sequel of to Willard.
0: That. Okay, I, I have fond memories of Ben. That movie did well. That movie's a big hit with the public. Now, no, no, no. Willard. Willard was a big hit. Ben still made money, right? Ben. Yeah, like, Ben had the uh, Michael Willard Jackson was, what, song with it too? one year Se- later. Yep. Okay, so Ben, I guess still, listen, I guess still watch. Ben and enjoy it. The, the end song, Michael Jackson. The kid, yeah, not a great actor, but like when Ben comes in the end and he's all burnt, right? Remember the scene, this, the scene at the end, and 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 the, the sort of the kid embraces him. Like it goes to show you, sequels. that you could you could put anything on the screen as a sequel, a, a then and it would make money.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, who was I was a
0: star of Ben? Jo- well, who he played a detective, Joseph. Uh, Camp- Joe, Joe Campanella. Campanella. Yeah, Joe Campanella. Yeah. I like I was good.
1: Yeah. He, he popped up a lot in the 70s. Yeah, he popped up a lot. Uh, prime. So cut. So I
0: believe
1: Gene Hackman starred in prime cut along with Lee Marvin. That came out in 1972 as well. Oh, okay. The candidate with uh, Robert Redford. Yeah. With, uh, that was as, a big hit. That was a big hit. He's a, he a huge star at the time. And just before Fourth of July weekend, we get the Conquest. Of the Planet of the Apes, Chuck. Let's go into this conquest. Explain to the people which one is this one now.
0: Okay, conquest is the fourth of the five, right? And Con- conquest was the, uh, very dark in, in in tone. It was about the 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 uprising of the apes against humanity. It is very. It's a dark. It's a dark movie. They they recut a director's cut a few years ago that that I I found pretty interesting uh I, I like this film i like this film and you know back in the day these movies had big lines like big line big lines yeah. to see yep. to see there was high high interest and they they were all all thought-provoking scripts not masterpieces the first one's a masterpiece but the, you know the re- even the, the all the sequels battle very, four very, and yep, yep. the last one okay like if if, the, if i ever saw the last one again i'm okay battle Eh, yep. But the first four, really good. I think so.
1: Chuck, um, Burt Reynolds has two movies come out in July. One, the cop comedy Fuzz. The second, an instant classic, Deliverance, comes out July 30th, 1972. Just think about that. Deliverance and The Godfather, the same year.
0: Wow. I got to tell you about Deliverance. They'll never make a movie for a mass audience like that ever again. And, and listen, I always said... I never I've done over 150 classic revival movies at my theater that I'm involved in and I introduced. I would never do Deliverance simply because I don't want to sit through that. I just don't want to sit through the, through that experience in a movie theater. It's a great movie. It is compelling as hell. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure people in 1972, the mass audience that watched that movie, I one, I don't know if they knew what they were getting into. Two, I'm sure they sat there on pins and needles, yeah, literally on pins absolutely. and needles. Like absolutely. It, it, you could argue it is one of the greatest horror movies of all time. Right, because it is a horror movie. In essence. it is yeah. a horror movie yeah. because horrible things happen in that movie.
1: And it's but scary. it is also
0: unbelievably it's scary. Yep. It's cathartic. You know, uh, Burt Reynolds shooting the bow and arrow through the hillbilly. Yep, it's cathartic. You know, it John does have Voigt, a great John, John, John yeah. Voight, you know, and above in and, and and they filmed that you know in in on location in the in the rafters of the water. Yep, I mean it had to be a scary shoot. I think it is the best movie Burt Reynolds has ever done in terms of it took him to a, a height of pure acting. Absolutely. That that he you know and his character, you know, his character gets injured. And that's a gross scene. You know, his all the muscle in his leg, you know, is coming out of his leg. I don't this know is, how listen, when they shot the Nate Beatty scene, the uh, rape scene. Like I don't even know how they did it. Like nah. it had to be disturbing.
1: Very, very disturbing. And let's be
0: honest, those two hillbillies is is two of the greatest villains of all time.
1: You talk about perfectly cast individuals. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, A lot of Westerns coming out in the summer of that year. Joe Kidd with Clint Eastwood. You had The Magnificent Seven ride, a sequel with Yul Brenner in it as well. Uh, Actually, no, Yul Brenner wasn't in that one. It was Lee Van Cleef in that one, Chuck. Junior Bonner, which was uh, Steve McQueen starring in that. Um, Also a horror classic to some. At the end of August, The Last House on the Left comes out, Chuck, and that's Wes Craven's directorial debut. If you think Deliverance is hard to watch. Oh,
0: that's, a, that's a disturbing movie. That is one of the more you disturbing know, I, I videos I've ever heard, re- I rented. I remember when I rented that, I would I, first thing I said to myself, who would make this movie?
1: Exactly. It's schlock. Right? And then who the second thing this, I, I said, like, is this a documentary?
0: <laughs> but I'm going to tell you why, why the reason movies like that were made because they knew it would touch a nerve. They knew it would create a spark and they knew it would make money. Yep. Right.
1: And it's very cheap too. very cheaply would make money. Yes. And they would have things on the sign. Like remember, they would have the schlock things on the signs, like do avoid fainting or uh, don't watch this in certain ways. I mean, they'd they'd always do that for a horror movie. You don't want to miss the last 10 minutes of this film. I just remember that movie poster being very manipulative. Um, Blackula came out in uh, 1972, right around that, Time as well. You had another Woody Allen film um, later on in the year. Uh, I'm trying to find. Oh, here we go. October. You've got movies like The Last Tango in Paris comes out October the 14th. Chuck, of course, a very controversial film.
0: Very. Even years after the fact. Very controversial. Some
1: people uh, say that there was literal sex having in that movie with uh, Marlon. I assume there was. Would you put it past Marlon Brando for, for doing something like that? Of course not. Um, Diana Ross's Lady Sings the Blues comes out in October of that year. Um, You get another mass release of basically a pornographic film is Alice's Adventures in Wonderland comes out in 1972. Um, It's really incredible. um, Some of these movies that are being released. Rage with George C. Scott comes out at the end of 1972. They only kill their masters with uh, the James Garner.
0: That one I remember.
1: James Garner, another great actor back in the day. Uh, Chuck um, sleuth comes out in December. I of that, that year. also Michael Caine, By Michael
0: Caine, and- Caine, Lawrence Olivier.
1: Yep. Um, and, Lar-
0: and for people who don't know, Lawrence Olivier at the time was regarded as like the greatest actor ever.
1: Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That came out in December. I don't
0: think his legacy is held up, though.
1: Mm, probably yeah, not because he started the jazz singer. People, I
0: don't think many people would say, oh, Lawrence Olivier, greatest actor ever. Very in boys for Brazil. Really interesting actor, though.
1: Very interesting. Then in December, uh, December twelfth, nineteen seventy-two, a little film was released. You may have heard of it. We might have talked about it once or twice on these podcasts. Chuck, would you like to discuss the design adventure?
0: I when you say it, I still get chills. I'm serious. <laughs> like I, I, I know this sounds crazy. If I could take a time machine and go backwards and do anything, but like you know, bring back a ton, you know, millions of dollars. But if I could go back to a place in time just for fun. I would love to see this movie with a huge crowd back in 72 on a big screen. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's something like, like it's high concept, right? And the high concept aspect of a, of a, of an ocean liner hitting a 90 foot tidal wave on new year's Eve. It's still like when they pitched that idea, I know it's based on a book, but you know, the studio had to say, how do we get this going?
1: Yeah, no, it's absolutely. It's a great concept,
0: but what makes it work is it's, it's the religious symbolism that they deny in the script because it's all there. I mean, come on. If if this is not a Jesus, Moses composite, Reverend Scott, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. And I, and when I've introduced it to audiences, I always talk about that. I say when you rewatch this, you know, when he's carrying the Christmas tree, look at his, look at his hands. It's like, he's carrying the cross, Yep. you know, salvation, light at the end of the tunnel. The only way to salvation is up. I mean, it's all it's all there. It's all and all the same. And it has there. one thing. It has Gene Hackman, who is incredible.
1: Well, and and I just actually watched this the other day again. Um, I found it on HBO Max. And that's that's why I texted you that one line. <laughs> it was like Nani couldn't swim like all the she was is such it a pain still in on HBO head. Max. It's on HBO Max. Yeah, I just watched it the other day. Okay. Um it's just got a great cast with a tremendous payoff. The but greatest. How good
0: de- Stevens in that movie?
1: Uh, she's so good. And when she she's, dies, I got pissed off. And, the comic
0: timing is awesome in that movie. Yeah,
1: she's good. and It's just a great movie, and there's no doubt about it. Um, and and uh, it, well, every time I watch it, it always bothers me that Gene Hackman just doesn't embrace that film. I don't know why it
0: it bothers me, too. But how good is that set? The engine, the set is
1: perfect. Yeah. How how
0: amazing is that set? Those sets. Emily was shot for five million dollars in 72. Right. And that set is so much better than any set in Poseidon. It just is.
1: Well, not only the religious overtones that you talk about in the film, but how about the struggle with religion that that a preacher has in the film? Oh, yeah. And with the fact that the questions Religion so much. I mean, it really boils down to God helps those who help themselves more yeah, than anything else.
0: That is his message.
1: That's, that's his message. And is it, I mean, and it's a lot of the things that uh, really appeals to us. You know, there were great movies in, in December around that as well. You know, The Getaway came out in in December of that year. A great star vehicle for uh, Steve McQueen and Ally McGraw. That's a good action film. The Heartbreak Kid came out in December of that year. Hysterical Neil Simon comedy with Charles Grodin. Um, Across 110th Street, a gritty cop movie um, back in the day with Anthony Quinn, Yafikoto, and Jeremiah Johnson, the, the third film Robert Redford was in before the year would be made up, Chuck. And it just goes to show you.
0: And let's be honest, let's talk about how big a movie star Robert Redford was, I mean, back was in his time. Big. I mean,
1: it's just it, bigger than big. I mean, one yes. of the first movie stars that I. I loved um, movies
0: made money and, and again, made it was money. a different It was a listen the people who went to the movies. They were 40 plus.
1: Not no doubt about it. They Chuck, weren't
0: people. They weren't teenagers.
1: Here's the top 10 movies of that year. Godfather. Number yeah. one, Poseidon Adventure two. Yeah. What, what's up? Doc three. Mm. You had deliverance at four. Yeah. I mean, Jeremiah Johnson came in fifth. You try to sit down. Now I challenge you sit down and watch Jeremiah Johnson <laughs> and not fall asleep. This and it was the fifth grossing film of the year. That goes to show you the star power of Robert Redford. Um, Cabaret was sixth. Yeah. Deep Deep Throat was, was holy seventh. cow.
0: That is that is a, that's a, you know we've been doing this show how long? That's it's one of the most interesting pieces of history. I mean, I knew it did. I it just it's hard to believe.
1: Deep Throat made more money than The Getaway. So there you go. That's all you need to know. And that basically it was all about The Godfather.
0: But um, on the same token, let's be let's be adult about this. How many people are watching Pornhub daily?
1: Oh, obviously. I mean,
0: multi-million. I mean,
1: obviously. So, you
0: know, is what it is.
1: They were saying that one of the sanctions against Russia right now is not allowing them to go on Pornhub. And that might really put the country to a halt and maybe stop what they're doing. Um, And there's probably some truth. that. Yeah, there's probably some truth into that. Oh, Chuck, um, you had Godfather win Best Picture, Best Actor, um, Best Screenplay. You had best director go to to uh, Bob Fosse, not Francis Ford Coppola, which is mind boggling in of itself. Absolutely. Liza won her best actress. Joel Gray won best supporting actor Um, again with that cast in The Godfather. It goes to show you revisionist history. You think The Godfather won all these Academy Awards. I
0: actually think that movie plays fairly boring, too. La
1: Cabaret. Cabaret? Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, But it was definitely an interesting Interesting year, to say the least, 50 years ago. In a, in and a, by the different-
0: way, we, The Godfather is being released in AMC theaters in a 4K restoration. That's why we're doing this. That's this right.
1: And in, in Dolby Sound, too. So go out and see it if you can. Chuck, 50 years ago, it was a tremendous, tremendous year. I know it's hard for you to say, but if you had to pick one movie, it's, I know it's Poseidon adventure, but when The Godfather comes out that very same <laughs> year, it, it, it's kind of remarkable. Of if course that it it. is. Um, if you think about it, all right, Chuck. By the way, Godfather was up against um, Cabaret, Deliverance, The Emigrants, and Sounder for Best Picture that year. Um, interesting, interesting stuff. You have and a good a one, Chuck. Watch
0: the, a lot of people watch the Oscars that year.
1: I'm sure they did more than watch it this year. That's for sure. You have a good one, Chuck. We'll do this all over again next week.
0: Always a pleasure to the audience. Thank you very much for listening.
1: Thanks for listening to Movie Maniacs. Download one of our archived
0: episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts.